This is Brewers on Tap. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to Brewers on Tap, the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is episode 39, and I am Lane Grindle, the host of the podcast for you. A lot to get to because we're getting closer and closer to opening day, just hours away, if you want to really kind of stretch it out there a little bit, days away probably the more appropriate way to term it, from opening day on April 4th against the San Francisco Giants and Madison Bumgarner on the Hill. Going to be a great day at Miller Park. I know I can't wait for it, and I'm sure that you are in the same boat as me in that regard. It will be fun, and it's going to be great to smell all those tailgates outside Miller Park as we walk around in anticipation of that baseball game. All right, we have a lot for you today on the podcast. This is going to be an exciting one. We're going to talk to Brewers second baseman Scooter Jeanette. We're going to talk to MLB.com's Adam McCalvey about this roster and how it's coming together and a lot of news and notes to get to you. Plus, of course, Sabermetrics 101 is going to be coming your way and we will also take a look at this week in Brewers history, which we do right now. And now this week in Brewers history. On this week in Brewers history, it is a big piece of history because the Brewers from 1970 through 1997 were members of the American League. Switched divisions in that time, but they were in the American League. And of course, 1998, the big move to the National League, and it paid off for the Brewers as they played their first game March 31 of 1998 against the Atlanta Braves. They dropped that contest 2-1. to one. All right, let's jump into some news and notes because there's been plenty of them over the course of the last week in camp. And, of course, some of them not the greatest of news, and that would start with Will Smith, the fantastic left-handed reliever, one of the top lefty relievers in baseball. Torres LCL in a non-baseball accident earlier this week, and he'll have three weeks of rest, three weeks of rehab. Then hopefully he can start a throwing program at that point in time. Still not known whether or not Will Smith will actually go through a surgery. If he has to have surgery... Pretty much he'll miss the season. If he can avoid surgery, he may pitch by maybe the All-Star break or so. A tough deal. Will Smith just taking his shoe off after pitching in the locker room, and he lost his balance, tried to catch himself, ended up tearing his LCL in his knee. Uh, We wish Will Smith the best of luck. He's a tremendous guy, and he'll work hard to get back, and he'll be better than ever when he does return. Ryan Braun also dealing with that back issue. Of course, he came back about midway through camp, was really swinging the bat well. Back in the lineup in Tuesday's game against the Reds at Maryvale. So it looks like Ryan Braun's fine and going to be on track to start on opening day. Also, a lot of news in terms of the rosters. Blaine Boyer, a veteran right-hander, has made the team. Chris Capuano, of course, very familiar name for Brewers fans, a left-hander, has made the team. Both of those guys will be slated to start in the bullpen for the Brewers. And both guys, really good stories. They're veteran guys. They're going to have a good impact for this clubhouse. But also, both guys have kind of had their struggles of late, or interesting pass at least. Boyer actually had a pretty good year last year with the Twins. Boyer was out of baseball. He went to Japan, got back with the Twins last year. 
As Craig Council will tell you, his last 100 innings or so of baseball have been very strong. And so the Brewers love what he brings to the table from the right side. And then Chris Capuano, he can be a guy that gives you some length out of the bullpen. He can go a couple of innings, get you seven or eight outs if you need him to. But also another guy that's just been around and, of course, has been with the Brewers. He hasn't been with the Brewers since 2010. But he makes the club, and we're really excited for Chris Capuano. Also, some really cool news. Yadiel Rivera makes his first opening day roster, as does Colin Walsh. Both guys were extremely excited. Rivera, pretty good prospect in this Brewers system. He's going to be a utility infielder. He can play second. He can play short. He can play third. He's hit it really well this spring. It remains to be seen if Yadiel is going to be a great hitter at the major league level, but he's going to get some opportunities this year. He's a tremendous fielder. Colin Walsh was a Rule 5 pick from the Oakland Athletics. He has to stay on the roster all through the year, and if he doesn't, then he has to be offered back to the Oakland A's. Another guy that was informed he'll make the team is outfielder slash first baseman Ramon Flores. So really what you have left is essentially one spot remaining in the bullpen and two spots remaining in the outfield that still need to be defined by the Brewers. Also, the crew gave Franklin Morales, a left-handed pitcher, his unconditional release earlier this week. All right, let's catch up with the Brewers' second baseman. Let's catch up with the crew. Scooter Jeanette, our guest here on the podcast, and Scooter, obviously a frustrating start to camp for you, not being healthy, but uh, once you got on the field, you've taken advantage of that. It seems like you're ready for the season. Yeah, it's never the way you want to start out spring training heading into the season, but uh, for the most part, I'm, I'm 100% right now, and uh, the timing and everything's there on the field, and it's, uh, it's a good sign. Usually I don't feel this good uh, in spring training, and considering the, the amount of bats I have, it's, it's definitely a good sign. What are you looking for when you, when you come down to spring training? Is it just getting the timing down and getting yourself comfortable in the box? Yeah, just uh, I like to see a lot of pitches. I like to um, get that strike zone uh, discipline good before heading into the season. Uh, but, yeah, the timing's definitely a, uh, a key, and, and you know, if you don't have that timing, if you're not confident in that timing heading into the season, it's pretty tough. So um, seeing pitches, getting the, the strikes on recognition and, and getting the timing is, is definitely key. Last year was a tough year for you and for the team, but it seems like you've grown coming out of that. Did, did you learn a lot about yourself, and are you a better player having gone through last year? I would say I learned a lot. Uh, it was definitely a wake-up call for me. Um, you know, I didn't start the season out how I wanted to, and then I had the freak injury, and then coming back from that wasn't wasn't great. Uh, and then getting sent down early was um, it was a wake-up call, and I think I bounced back good from it. I, I got sent down, got a chance to play every day, and got my swing back, and the timing was back. I felt good, and for the most part, I finished out the season where I normally would. Um, but it's still still not good enough for me. I, I got to continue to grow and get better every day, and. Um, but I think I did a lot of maturing last year on and off the field. So uh, it was definitely a, a good uh, learning experience and a, and a you know, positive uh, it was a positive take from a, from a bad year. You're a young guy by most people's standards, yet you're kind of one of the veteran guys in this locker room now. Have you started to transition into being one of the, one of the guys now in this locker room? I definitely consider myself still a young guy and a, and a rookie, um, but... Like you said, I have been here uh, for a little while, and um, when it comes to the the things that guys need to know and stuff like that, I'm I'm definitely here to um, to to let them know just just the basic stuff about you know the the past history of the Brewers or the the front office that kind of stuff. Um, you know, even though we do have a, a, some new guys in there as well, so it's uh, 
it's kind of it's kind of new for everybody but but being here being at maryville for this will be my sixth seventh year um you know it's uh it's definitely comfortable for me so i like to uh try to talk to guys and, and just kind of fill them in on things that they need to know like maybe locking your doors when you leave the parking lot here stuff like that <laughs> uh just simple stuff but um when it comes to the veteran stuff I, i'm not there yet and i uh um i respect the uh the time that that these guys do have like Aaron Hill and Garza and Bronny and and um, I mean they've been in the game a long time and um, I wouldn't put myself in that that category by any means but uh, you know when it comes to being here on the Brewers for a little while I've uh, you know I've been here for a few years. Is it fun for you one of the cool things about spring training is when guys get pulled over from the minor league side to help out for a game is it fun for you to see guys like Monte Harrison yesterday getting a bat in a, in a big league spring training game. It is cool. You you uh, you see those guys that get drafted and then they come and have a little workout up in Milwaukee <laughs> and being able to see them in camp and see them come over from the minor league side and playing a, a big league game and get the opportunity to have some at bats is uh, it's really cool and you know it brings me back to the you know a few years back when I was in their shoes and I was coming over on the from the minor league side and just how important it was to me at that time and and i could see it in their eyes that they that they want it and uh it's just really cool to see from from the uh you know a different perspective not getting a chance to play second base every day during spring training obviously and with jonathan vr being a new guy at shortstop how important is that that you two get on the same page over the next week before the season opens? it's important uh the more the more you play with uh as a second base, the more you play with the, the shortstop, the more comfortable you get. So the more time we can spend together playing, uh, the better off we are. And um, we already uh, hit it off on the right foot. He's a, he's a great guy. He's a good teammate. And uh, those are the things that you uh, you know, you know want coming into camp and, and going through spring training is just to connect with that person and get to know them. And uh, everything else seems to take care of itself after that. And um, But we're definitely looking forward to the opportunity to get a few more games in together and um, get ready for the season. All right, the nickname, its I think most people have at least an idea how it came about, but it, you, you've been Scooter for a long time. Tell us the story. I have. I've been Scooter since I was about four years old. I uh, gave myself the name when uh, my mom, we were in the car, and we were, I forget where we were on our way to, but uh, I was um, just not the not the kid that you dreamed of having, <laughs> and I was pretty defiant, and I never wore my seatbelt, and when she'd put it on me, I'd click it off, and... Uh, she got tired of it and took me to the police station, and uh, the, the police officer asked me what my name was, and I told him Scooter Jeanette, and that was from uh, the Muppet Babies, yeah. the name Scooter, and that was my favorite character. And uh, he asked me again, and I told him Scooter Jeanette, and for about a year I didn't answer to Ryan because I thought I'd get in trouble and get arrested. So <laughs> they had to call me Scooter to get me to do anything, and it kind of just stuck after that. So Mom made a point. I mean, that stuck with you. Yeah, long time. I mean, uh, about 21, 22 years now, so... And it's not going anywhere. I mean, I, I meet some other scooters, and I'm like, man, that's such a weird name. You know, it's it's like a it's, a, it's so childish, but uh, it seems right when people call me scooter. So I mean, it's it's not going anywhere. You were the Easter Bunny on Easter Sunday, and you helped the kids out with the Easter egg hunt. Then you came in the clubhouse, and you stayed in character. How fun was that for you? It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to be able to. Uh, get some pictures with guys on the team and some wholesome babies and uh it was a good experience it was uh it was new uh never done anything like that before uh so it was uh it was pretty cool to be able to have that opportunity to put some smile on people's faces and to also uh get some get some pictures with some teammates was pretty cool where'd you get the costume 
the uh, clubbies take care of all that. They they pick it up and uh, they tried like three or four different places and most of the places were sold out. So I'm happy that they found one because I don't know if it would have went over well if we wouldn't have got a costume. Did you do any prep to get yourself prepared to be in character as the Easter Bunny? Not really. I mean, I was thinking about talking and stuff, but I just I banged that and uh, decided just to go with the silent the silent Easter Bunny and had the hands going and. Yeah. Uh, uh, but no, not a whole lot of preparation, just kind of winged it. Awesome. Appreciate it, Scooter. Yeah, thank you. Checking in on the farm. Well, down on the farm, there's been a lot of exciting stuff going on, and a lot of it should center around Monty Harrison, the big-time prospect. He is a tremendous-looking athlete. He can really run and go get at elite speed for Monty Harrison. He's a good defender. Can he hit? That's been one of the questions. He's hitting, and he's hitting for power. A lot of big power. We saw him in the major league side on Sunday afternoon at Goodyear Ballpark against the Cleveland Indians, hit a 420-plus foot foul ball. The guy has a big-time swing, and it's starting to really come around. Josh Hader threw four perfect innings last week on the minor league side while striking out eight in a double-A game. And Brett Phillips has returned to action and performed well. He's traveling with the Brewers to Houston this week to take part in the two-game exhibition series versus his former club, the Houston Astros. Here's what's on tap with the Brewers. Pretty obvious what's on tap because the opening day game against the San Francisco Giants is just days away. That series, a three-game series, Monday through Wednesday, the 4th through the 6th. Brewers are going to kick it off against Madison Bumgarner, Buster Posey, and those Giants. Here's some of the highlights from that opening series. Of course, opening day is at 1.10 p.m. on Monday, April 4th. Then Tuesday the 5th, we're a night game at 7.10 at Miller Park. And then Wednesday the 6th, a 12.40 p.m. start against the Giants. That is as well Kids and Seniors Discount Day. Kids and Seniors save 50% on tickets, and tickets are still available for both Tuesday and Wednesday's games. You can't get any tickets to opening day, but you can still come to that opening series. And then the opening weekend series against the Houston Astros, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's going to be a lot of fun as well. The Astros were a really good team. Last year, they basically had the Royals down and out in the playoffs before the Royals came back and found a way to win that series in five on their way to winning the World Series. The Astros come to town Friday, April 8th, Saturday, April 9th, and Sunday, April 10th. We're at night on Friday at 7.10. That's student night. High school and college students can purchase $10 tickets and enjoy a special $3 happy hour menu. Then Saturday the 9th at 6.10 p.m., and then Sunday the 10th is at 1.10 p.m. That's also Vintage Brewer Bobblehead Day, so all fans in attendance receive an old-fashioned bobblehead featuring the crew's 1980s ball and glove uniforms. You can't beat that. Plus, it's Kids Eat Free Sunday. We've been telling you about that all spring. Every Sunday, kids 14 and under receive a lunch voucher, good for a free hot dog, bottled water, apple slices, and best part, an ice cream treat. For tickets, call 414-902-4000 or visit brewers.com. He's a tremendous writer for MLB.com, and he joins us now. Let's break it down. Adam McAlvey joining us on the podcast from MLB.com and the Brewers getting set to essentially break camp here in Phoenix. And overall, this seems to have been a pretty productive camp. But like most spring trainings, everybody ready to kind of move on to the next thing now. Oh, no doubt about it. And most players have felt that way for a little while now, a good week. Unless you're one of those guys fighting for the final roster spots. And, And I'm always fascinated talking to those guys 
because it's an, an underrated thing. People don't understand the stress that's involved. You've got families and wives and kids and you know aunts and uncles and parents trying to travel for opening day, and a lot of these guys just don't know where they're going. It's a very difficult time for those players at the end of the roster, and we spend probably an undue amount of time talking about it um, based on you know how those roles play in the regular season. But it's always kind of interesting at the end of camp to try to piece it together. Yeah, it, it is. And Craig Council was talking about that with me about a week ago in that we've reached the tough part of camp where the veteran guys that know they're making the club, they're ready to move on. But yet you want to make sure that they're being accountable to the guys that are trying to make the team because you don't want half your lineup to be disinterested and, and impact other guys' opportunities to, to make the club because it is their future. Yeah, and, you know, it brings up, I think, one of the big themes of this camp. If, you, you know, if you'll ask me what's the, uh, the overarching theme, connectedness yeah. is a word that has come up over and over. It's been a message Craig Council has hammered really since he took over the job last May. One of the first things I remember him saying is he wants everyone to be good teammates. And that sounds so simple and basic, but it's a message that he has repeated over and over. And you hear players use that word connected. They're trying to create this, you know, all for one type of mentality because they are not as talented as other teams in this division. And they know it. Their eyes are open to the struggle that is ahead here. Um, and I think that's why that has been a really important part of this camp. And it, and it plays into what you're talking about in these final spots. Colin Walsh told us he got the news that he made the team in the morning. And uh, he said it, it really stood out to him how genuinely happy other guys were for him to get that news. And I think they're also genuinely hurt for the guys like Hernan Perez who missed the cut. So they're, they're trying to create this sense of team. And if they accomplish, you know, one big picture type thing, this camp, I think that's going to be what it is. What would you say has been the biggest surprise to you in camp so far? Uh, I don't know that there's been any, I mean, uh, just purely baseball wise, Yadiel Rivera hitting all these, you know, Babe Ruth style ninth inning home runs has not been something I anticipated, but look, I mean, they're, they're, we came to camp thinking, uh, for example, Jonathan VR was the, the shortstop. We learned very early Aaron Hill was going to be the third baseman and that there'd be a battle for center field. Well, all those things have happened as expected. Center field is not going to be a guy. It's going to be multiple guys. So I, I, I think it's maybe a little surprising that we don't have any clarity as we talk here right as camp's about to break. Um, we, don't, we still don't know who's going to be the opening day center fielder at all, and it could be one of three guys that are left here or somebody completely from outside the organization. Um, but, you know, I don't know that there were any huge surprises down here otherwise. It's kind of been... You know, business as usual. Um, you know, we all learned to untie our shoes before we take them off, thanks to Will Smith. That that's a big one. Um, other than that, it's been you know kind of a normal spring. Some veteran guys in that bullpen, uh, and and I think a good story, a couple of good stories with the two veteran guys that that made the club here earlier this week. Well, yeah, Chris Capuano. Obviously, we know well those of us who were here covering his first stint with the team. He he kind of established himself as a big leaguer in Milwaukee and he's had a fine long career now he's reinventing himself as a full-time reliever which is he's relieved in the big leagues but never entered a year thinking I am a reliever and he's talked about that being a change in mindset he's forced himself even though in, in spring training games you know for example if you're Chris Capuano I'm gonna have the sixth inning today but he's forced himself to get ready for these games as if the phone just rang you know 10-15 pitches get ready quick and get in the game 
and he's kind of learning as that goes. He wants to be a mentor to some of these younger guys. And then Blaine Boyer is a fascinating story, a guy who was literally out of baseball. He walked away after bouncing around to a bunch of teams. He got tired of that, always kind of being on the, the edge of the roster. That's a very you know uh, mentally challenging place to be, and he sort of got worn out, walked away, went to Japan, and now here he's back, and he had a fine year with the Twins last year, won a job with the Brewers. He did not have an impressive spring, so he's going to be one of those guys you kind of have your eye on early in the season because this is a team with a lot of young guys at, that are going to be at the AAA level with options. Um, there's moves to be made if they want to make them, so a guy like Blaine Boyer and Chris Capuano, the track record is great, but they're going to have to perform to keep those spots. We've seen a lot of ninth-inning dramatics out of this team down here in spring training, and Jeff Levering and I were talking about it on the broadcast Monday night. And I really believe part of the reason why you've seen that is because you have so many position battles and you have so many guys playing late in games that are actually competing for jobs still. You, know, you can't read a whole lot into that at spring training, but at the same time I think that probably speaks to the competition that's been in camp all of March is that there's been a lot of competition. So these guys are still fighting in the ninth inning when other teams maybe are getting ready to go home. Yeah, well, I always think your spring training record means absolutely nothing, except it's sort of an indication of how good your minor league system is. Because the seventh, eighth, ninth inning are these guys who are going to be at Class A, Double A, Triple A, and they're the ones deciding the outcome of the game. So for the Brewers, some of their ninth inning guys that stand out to me, well, Yadiel Rivera, obviously, I don't think he won a job with what he did in spring training, but it didn't hurt. Um, and if he can have any kind of a bat in the big leagues, that would be a huge bonus because he's a great defensive player. Manny Pena stands out to me, um, a catcher that you know we didn't know much about coming in, but a guy who can really swing the bat. He's, he's got a, some tremendous power in some of these games, late in games. And the other guy who just stood out throughout all these spring training games is Colin Walsh. You know, there are questions. He's a Rule 5 guy, double-A last year, great on-base percentage. But you don't know how that's going to translate when – I mean, there's pressure on him. This is just spring training, but there's pressure over the last month for him to show what he can do and make the team. And his at-bats were very steady. He walked a ton, but he wasn't up there searching for a walk. I mean, he drove the ball as well. And he got a ton of A-Bs throughout because they were a guy they really wanted to look at. So he got to play early against the big league guys and then late in these sort of meaningful situations. And I think he showed that he was steady in both of those areas, and that's how he won his job. Adam McCalvey our guest on the podcast. Uh, we talked about Rivera and, and him making the team. It's a great story. If there's a breakout candidate for you in 2016, is it Domingo Santana? Yeah, well, I had to do this as part of my spring training preview package, and I picked Domingo Santana. Uh, the only rookie in the, the starting lineup. Um, great power. You hear the comp uh, to Corey Hart, which would be fine. I mean, he's uh, Corey Hart to me was a little more free swinging, but if Domingo Santana winds up being the leadoff guy, it's a similar power threat up top. You know, big t- looks the part, a big, tall, lanky, strong guy. Um, I think he has an opportunity to be pretty good in this league because he has this advanced. He's 23 years old. That's what the media guy says, at least. And he has a pretty advanced approach for a guy of that age and with his uh, you know, low level of major league experience. And the thing Craig Council, another common message from Craig Council, is we've talked a lot about players who have gotten better, who show each year a progression. Um, Keon Broxton is one of them. If you look at his last couple of years, he's taking steps with the bat. Domingo Santana is kind of the same way. He's like, he just looks like a player who's improving. And when you have that level of plate discipline built in the ball strike recognition built into his brain which it seems it is 
that's what makes him excited that he can be a player to contribute. So definitely, uh, uh, I think, a breakout candidate. And he looks the part physically. He's one of the more impressive guys physically in camp. Uh, let's go with the minor league guys you got a chance to see here in camp, some of the prospects, especially early on. Who stood out to you in that group? Well, Orlando Arcia is just special. And you can watch a couple of innings of a spring training game and not be a scout, and you can see he's just different from the other players on the field. So um, he's another story that I've written about this week as part of my opening day because the question is when do you bring him up? Do you let him rake at Colorado Springs and have a big year while the Brewers probably struggle in the big leagues, or do you bring him up and let him learn on the job, maybe struggle, maybe play for a team that's not very good? but get something out of it in the big leagues. I don't know what they're going to do. It's going to be determined, they say, by performance and, and sometimes by need. You, you never know what's going to pop up. A huge player to watch for me. Um, you know, the other guy is, is their top pitching prospect, Jorge Lopez, is just uh, an, uh, a tremendously impressive person. And what he has done, um, never mind on the baseball field where he's had, you know, he's, talk about improving players he's really improved in the last couple of years really gotten a couple miles per hour looks like a legit pitching prospect at the same time off the field you know some the health struggles with his son you know language barrier uh, a wife uh, also with a language barrier I mean there is just a lot going on in that young man's life and he is an, a really impressive guy uh, got a taste of the big leagues last year and I don't. You can't guarantee much in this game, but you can pretty much say he's going to pitch for this team this year at some point and has an opportunity to be pretty good. All right, so my first opening day at Miller Park is just around the corner. You've been through a few of these. Give me some advice. What should I be taking in sights and sounds? Okay, well, first thing is get there early. There was a, there was, I remember an opening day years ago where the Brewers had had some kind of a late arrival the day before from somewhere, and players literally got stuck in traffic. Corey Hart, I remember, being in his car, and they had traffic stopped because the lots weren't open yet for the tailgaters, and he's sitting out there at 9 o'clock or whatever it is, unable to get in and had to call. So, so one thing, get there early, number one. Noted. And I don't know if opening day will afford you this because there's a lot going on and you're going to be doing interviews and Mark Atanasio will address us and David Stearns and obviously Craig Council. But at some point early in the year, you do have to go out and wander those lots a little bit. Hopefully on a day where you can levering have the call and you don't have to work. Maybe you can have a little beverage out there in the parking lot with some fans. Um, it, it is an experience. I, I, you know, I grew up in Milwaukee. And before I was completely neutered of my fandom to do this job, I was, you know, Pepsi fan club and the whole deal uh, at County Stadium. So I have a, a vast experience in tailgating, and it's, it's a pretty good time. It's, it's a whole scene out there, and I, I hope you get an opportunity to, to experience it. I will make sure that I do. Adam, appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, anytime. All right, it's time for Sabermetrics 101, and this week we're going to talk about WHIP. Walks plus hits per innings pitched. It's exactly as it sounds. And some people in the sabermetrics world will tell you that it's maybe not the best way to analyze a pitcher's performance simply because it doesn't take all factors into consideration. Hits don't totally tell you how the pitcher performs because that pitcher may have a great defense behind him, may not have a great defense behind him. He might be in a great ballpark that's big and plays well to the pitcher's strengths or not. And so most sabermetrics people will tell you that they like batting average on balls in play better in terms of defining what a pitcher's actual worth is. 
And that is going to do it for this week's edition of Brewers on Tap. We thank you for joining us for another edition of it. Next week, it's all about opening day. How fun is that going to be? It's finally here and upon us. I want to say thank you to our great guests, Scooter Jeanette and Adam McCalvey. Until next time, I'm Lane Grindle. Thanks for listening to Brewers on Tap. <laughs>